Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. It's Sunday, it's the morning after the night before, or it is at the moment that I'm recording this. It might be later on in the day, of course, by the time you're watching or listening to this. Arsenal having been beaten 1-0 at Aston Villa last night. 15 home wins in a row in the league now for Aston Villa. A club record. Fair play to Unai Emery. What a wonderful job he is doing. Villa now one point behind Arsenal, who are second in the Premier League. Liverpool move into top spot after their late, late win at Crystal Palace yesterday. Another dramatic day of Premier League football it was. We'll explore in depth last night's victory in today's show. Give my thoughts on what went on. We'll look at what Mikel Arteta's had to say, what Martin Odegaard's had to say. I'll give my player ratings at the end as well. Okay, let's get cracking, shall we? And what was a disappointing night for Arsenal? It was always going to be a tough game. The stats, the form, everything suggested it was going to be a really, really difficult game. In truth, it wasn't the game I was expecting. Arsenal were pretty dominant throughout. I wasn't expecting that. What happened in the first few minutes when Villa went ahead with John McGinn's goal, I thought that was going to be kind of... That was the kind of game I was expecting. I thought Villa were going to push Arsenal back for large chunks of the game. It was going to be a really intense atmosphere. Villa were going to play like they did against Manchester City in midweek. But Arsenal, as we've seen so often this season, can just wrestle control of games away from teams. And they did that yesterday. And they were dominant for large periods of the game. And this was a match they really should not have lost. They shouldn't even have drawn. It was a game they should have won, but they didn't. They didn't take their chances some decisions, which we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show, didn't go their way. But crucially, they didn't take their chances. And I think that was the big, big miss for Arsenal last night. I mean, you look at how the game pans out. These are stats here from canonstats.com. Um, fantastic site for data and stats. 
I'll uh, put a little link to it in the description below if you want to go and have a look at it. Really, really good. And you look at the stats and you look at how the game panned out. I mean, it's just a game that Arsenal will be kicking themselves today that they didn't get something from. It was the, the attack misfired. It really, really did. And we will talk about the refereeing decisions and the officials because obviously that was a big part of what went on yesterday. But I think when you take that all away and you just focus on the game and what happened and how it panned out, Arsenal have only got themselves to blame for really not taking something from this match because they should have done. They really did create some big, big opportunities that they didn't take advantage of. You look at the stats, he'd expected goals, 1.8 to Arsenal, just 0.7 to Villa. You know, the shots were more or less the same from both teams, but the big opportunities, the big positions that Arsenal got themselves into that they didn't take advantage of. That was really, really poor. And I'm not just talking about the shots. Yes, Odegaard should have scored in both halves. The you know, one that he put, it shouldn't have given Martinez an opportunity to make the save in the first half. And that really good move. And Jesus laid the ball off to Odegaard. And then he took his time and he just put it too close to to, uh, to Martinez. You know, you go high in that position, like McGinn did. I don't think you give the keeper a chance to make the save. But he went low, he put it too close to Martinez. And Martinez read it and made the save. One in the second half, again, from brilliant play by Kai Havertz down the left. You know, how many how many times do you see Odegaard in that position just straight the ball into the bottom corner? He got it wrong last night. He got his finishing wrong. And that was costly, yes. But there was also so many opportunities, especially in the first half. Villa were playing that high line. And it was like Tottenham versus Chelsea when Tottenham went down to nine men. And Chelsea just got it wrong time and time again when they were in that position against Tottenham's high line. Eventually, they found a way through and they got the goals. Arsenal didn't do that last night. They, they got There were so many opportunities just to play the right pass through, and they were in on goal, and they got it wrong. And then times when they did turn the ball over high in the pitch, and then they had sort of three-on-two um, situations that they didn't take advantage of. They didn't even end up having a shot from it because they got the they just played it wrong. And normally, they're so incisive in that sort of area of Arsenal. You know, Saka, Martinelli, Jesus, Sodegaard, so incisive. But they just weren't yesterday. They got it wrong. They got the final pass wrong. They got the decision wrong when they should have gone out to the right, but they went to the left and that sort of thing. And that, and suddenly the chance was gone. And you know, that, I think Mikel Arteta will be really, really disappointed with because, you know, you look at expected threat created there from Arsenal, 2.5 to just 0.7. Um, it was just, it was a really, really dominant performance that they didn't take advantage of at a really tough place to go. And that was my big frustration from the game. I mean, again, you just look at these stats, you look at, I mean, the field tilt, look at that. It was so one-sided. And Arsenal just did not take advantage of it. And it's a real, real shame. And yes, we will talk about the officials, as I said. But you know, I think this was really, really so key to Arsenal's performance. That's why I woke up today and I can sense, I can see on my timeline, on Twitter, on the comments, everything on all my social media pages, everyone's annoyed. Everyone's feeling annoyed this morning. But I woke up... and. I wasn't. I didn't have that sort of rage inside me that I did after the Newcastle defeat. I had more of the, this was Arsenal's own doing, really. They just didn't take advantage of the, of the good opportunities they had. And they've only really got themselves to blame for this defeat. Mikel looking at it after the game, obviously watching the match in the stands because of the ridiculous ban that he had. Um, this is what he had to say after the game. He said, I'm very disappointed with the result, especially with the way we played. I think we deserve much more than what we did. I thought we were a better team. I haven't seen a team do what we did do, uh, what we did to Villa today since uh, we were here in February. It wasn't enough to win it because we lacked the accuracy in the opponent's box to put the ball in the back of the net with the amount of situations that we generated. He's spot on. It's exactly what I'm talking about. Absolutely. The accuracy in the opponent's box just wasn't right, whether it be the finish or the pass or the decision-making. It just wasn't right. It was off last night. 
I'm dominating the game. He said we had enough. We had so many big opportunities. Some of them we didn't. We didn't even finish when they were completely open. We had to pick the right player to shoot, and when we did it two or three times, it was an open goal almost, and we didn't manage to score. But that's not. Um, but that's not much more that we can demand from the team to play every three days to play the way they've done. I'm really pleased, but disappointed because in the end we didn't have the result we wanted. He said in the change room that he, he said to his players afterwards that pick your heads up. I think Arsenal do need to do this. As disappointing as it was, and it was, obviously, it's two at least two points dropped. But in my view, it's three points dropped because this was a game they should have won. Um, but they did play well, again, I thought. Just like at Newcastle, I didn't come away disappointed with the performance. I look at it last night as Arsenal going to a team who are absolutely flying, who have won 15 in a row now in, at home in the league, who have just absolutely battered Manchester City on Wednesday night. And yet they went there and they dominated the game, controlled the game, played the game that they wanted. And that's it, you know, it's silver linings, you know, you're never happy after a defeat, of course, but there's silver linings from that. And I, you know, I didn't come away disappointed with Arsenal thinking, oh, they just were awful. They got hammered by Villa. They didn't. I'm disappointed that they didn't win. And that's very different. It's a kind of different feeling. If you understand what I'm trying to say, it's disappointed that they've lost. Um, you know, Martin Odegaard speaking afterwards and, you know, he's going to have to hold his hand, but he does hold his hands up. You can see in the comments. Uh, saying, I, didn't we, I don't think we deserve to lose a game, especially in front of goals. We were better. We gave them an easy goal and we're a bit sloppy in front of the goal as well. It's, so it's annoying and frustrating. We have to look to the next one. The games are coming so quickly now. It's no time to feel sorry for ourselves. We have to get back to working hard to improve and bounce back in the next game. And that's what we're going to do. It maybe was not our best game, but we were still the better team. I don't think they created too much apart from the goal they scored. And as I said, we had a few big ones that we missed, me included, and that's annoying. I think we did enough to at least get a point, but it didn't happen today. We have to move on. We have to learn from it and improve. They're a great team, especially at home. The record they have here speaks for itself. I thought we did enough to win uh, to get a result, but today wasn't our day. And it wasn't Arsenal's day. I, I tweeted it sort of midway through the second half. I think it was after Odegaard's miss in the second half that... You kind of just knew that it wasn't the ball wasn't going to go in. It was one of those days where Arsenal were not going to score. Whatever happened, you know, the big opportunities, the bad decision making, the one where Martinez from the corner sort of got it all wrong and punched it onto the back of the defender's head. It hit the post. It was cleared off the line. It was just those sort of incidents. You thought Arsenal aren't going to score here. It's just not going to happen. And um, and that's it. They did lose their way. I thought. I didn't think. I thought Emery. Fair play. I thought Emery got his substitutes really right. Villa were, were tiring in that second half. It was really, really obvious. Arsenal were dominating. I think Emery's subs turned the game back in Villa's favour a little bit. And I also think Arsenal began to lose a little bit of faith in that last 20, 25 minutes. They lost their way. And um, I thought Villa were quite comfortable in the final 20, 25 minutes. You know, uh, Arteta took Martinelli off and brought on Trossard. That didn't work. I thought, I don't think Martinelli had a good game. But he was causing them some problems still with his pace and his movement. Unfortunately for him, he didn't take advantage of that many times. I didn't think he had a good game. And when the sub was made, I thought, oh, that's actually a good sub. Would, um, if Trossard is such a clever player, such a smart player, if he gets in those sort of positions, he'll take advantage of them more because he's so switched on and good in the final third. But it just didn't work. And I thought Arsenal were a worse team because of that. Um so I credit Emery, I suppose, and have to say Arteta got the subs wrong, even though at the time I thought it was the right sub, but it just didn't quite work out. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, we'll talk about the officials now and the decisions. On the Douglas Louise one, <laughs> I don't actually think that's a penalty, I have to say. but. I think you have to give it if you give the one earlier on in the day, which they did in Crystal Palace versus Liverpool. And I think that's what infuriates everyone. It's just a complete inconsistency. Now, Douglas Luiz does kick through Gabriel Jesus. He's going for the ball, but he kicks through Gabriel Jesus. And so I don't see how that is not a penalty if the one at Selhurst Park earlier in the day is a penalty. It's the inconsistency that is just so frustrating and just makes you lose face completely with what's going on and with the officials. I don't see how VAR can look at one and think it's a penalty and it can look at another and think it's not. Personally, I think it, was, it would be soft and you'd be annoyed if you conceded a penalty at your end. If Arsenal conceded a penalty to someone by that sort of incident, you'd be like, oh, come on, it's not much. But it doesn't really matter. The fact is, if, if in one game it's a penalty and in another game it's not, it just doesn't make any sense to me. On the handball at the end unfortunately it is a handball that I don't think that's VAR's fault I don't I think the referee guessed by the way I I absolutely do not believe Jared Gillett saw that handball I don't see how he could he was so far away there was so much going on he had his view blocked as well I think he he thinks he sees a handball somewhere in the melee but when you watch it on the replay and you actually see where the handball is I don't see how Gillett can see that but unfortunately, because of the utter ridiculousness that is the rule, that is the law of the game, that has to be ruled out for handball. Now, even if that goal is given on the field, if Gillett doesn't blow the whistle, or it doesn't say it's handball, I still think VAR will, would disallow that. I think they have to because of this stupid law that is in place where if a ball ends up going in the net and if someone scores and it is hit his hand, even accidentally, it has to be a handball. It has to be a goal ruled out. And it's just a fart. The whole thing is just ridiculous and fast because... In that whole, in that same incident, the ball hits Matty Cash's hand, but it hits it accidentally, and so in to the letter of the law, that doesn't need to be given as a penalty. But because it hits Havertz's hand and he scores, even though it's an accident, that has to be ruled out. So why? How come the re- the defender can do it and it's not a penalty, but the attacker can do it and it's a goal's ruled out? I mean, how hard is it to score a goal in football, and yet you're finding ways to disallow goals? It's just the rule is just a joke. So. You know, I'm not sitting here today thinking oh, the, the, the officials have robbed Arsenal from this one because it's unfortunately they 
just stuck to the letter of the law in this instance. It's the law that was a joke. It's the law that is completely wrong. But on the actual pitch, when it comes to the decision yesterday, I don't see what else the officials could have done, annoyingly. Um, so I'm not sure. I mean, Mikel wasn't going anywhere near it yesterday in the press conference. He just kept saying clear and obvious, clear and obvious. That's what I mean. That's my opinion. That's all I can say. And so this is, you know, as a result of the PGMOL ridiculousness, the FA, you know, this is what you're getting now. Ref managers aren't even going to come and say what they actually mean and what they, what they feel now because of what's happened to Mikel Arteta. I thought Roy Hodgson yesterday, if you haven't seen it yet, go and watch Roy Hodgson's post-match interview after the, after the Palace versus Liverpool game. I thought it was really, really good. And you've got a manager there who's been in the game for however many years Roy Hodgson's been, who's seen it all. And he's saying he won't be unhappy to walk away when he walks away from football now because of the joke that the rules of the game are and the officials are and what VAR is. And he says he won't be unhappy to walk away from football. And that's really sad. And I think that says an awful lot about what everyone thinks. And that's why, again, I feel like the whole of football had an opportunity to back Mikel Arteta after that Newcastle game to come round and put a united stance on things, to to just show how unhappy they are with how football is going and how the rules are being interpreted and how VAR is working. But they didn't. Everyone took the side of, oh, nasty Mikel Arteta. He can't come out and say things like that. How dare he? And it's just a big opportunity missed. And that's a real shame, I think, because now we're going to get stuff like this. Managers aren't going to say what they mean. We're getting stupid goals ruled out for stupid rules that shouldn't be in place and need to be changed. I mean, it's just, it's just so inconsistent and it's it's really frustrating to watch um so yeah that's my views and the worst one of the lot was the red card it should have been how on earth I, i've forgotten what defender it was now but the elbow on eddie and ketia are uh, towards the end how that's not a red card i'll have no idea and then and um the thing that baffles me the most is that he ends up getting a yellow card but when you watch the replay jared gillette is not looking at it at all he doesn't see it he absolutely doesn't see it he's not even looking in the vicinity of where the incident happens. Yet somehow he gets a yellow card. And I don't understand how that can happen because VAR can't tell the referee to give someone a yellow card. It's only there for red cards. And so I don't get, unless the fourth official or the linesman has seen it, which again, I cannot believe from where it was that they have, I don't see how he's given a yellow card for it because he's clearly not looking at the incident. So what has happened there? I'd love to find out. We're never going to find out but I'd love to know what's been said and who has said it in that situation. And how's that not a red card? He's elbowed him in the face. He looks, he sizes him up and he elbows him in the face. It's a red card, just like Bruno um, Grimara's was for Newcastle with that forearm. It's a red card. That's the worst one. When it comes to actual on-field decisions yesterday from officials stroke VAR, that elbow I just do not understand in a million years. But there, I've had my say. Let me know what you guys think. Um, about anything that I've said, about what you think, what your opinion is on all of the incidents in the comments below. All right, we'll move on to some player ratings now, shall we? Um, obviously a disappointing day for Arsenal. Not too many standout performances there, even though I thought they dominated the game. You know, no one really stood up and and uh, sort of did what you know, they really needed. There wasn't just that no real moment of quality that just broke open Villa. and. Yeah, that was disappointing. David Rye, I thought, had a good game. He made a couple of good saves in the rare attacks that Villa had in the second half, made a couple of stops from Ollie Watkins. Um, Villa tried to put him under pressure from set pieces. They were basically everyone was standing on the six on the uh on the goal line to try and put him under pressure, but he dealt with it well. 
I've seen some people say he should have saved the goal, which I just do not understand. I mean, he literally McGinn wallops it from close range. It's past him before he can even dive. I don't see how any goalkeeper saves that. I really don't. I think that's total nitpicking. If you're saying that David Raya should save that, I just don't honestly don't understand it. Uh, so I gave David Raya a seven because I thought he did right. Ben White, I thought Ben White was poor. I didn't think he had a good game. I've given him a five. Defensively, he was all right. Um, but he got in some good opportunities down the right that he just didn't make take advantage of. His final ball was but was poor. You think back to the Luton game, that f- delivery he did for Gabriel Jesus' goal was excellent, but it just didn't happen for Ben White yesterday. I thought it was a, it was a poor game. Gave him a five. Saliba and Gabriel gave both seven. Um, Saliba versus Watkins was a really good battle, actually. I, I enjoyed it. Um, Watkins won on a couple of occasions. Saliba won on a few occasions. It was a good... It was a good performance from him. Not nothing. It, well, it wasn't fantastic because I didn't think they had to do that much. I thought Arsenal was so in control, but I gave him and Gabriel both seven. Zinchenko, again, Zinchenko got a lot of grief, especially in the first half. He did give the ball away a few times. I didn't think he was anything. I didn't think he was dreadful by any means. People say no, he got caught out of position for the first goal. I mean, Carragher highlighted that a lot, but I think tactically that was what where Zinchenko was in the build-up to that goal. I think is where Arsenal or Arteta wanted him to be. I think there was a it looked pretty clear that Gabriel was having to fill in over on that side a lot and was being asked to fill in over that side a lot. So Zinchenko could move centrally in that inverted role. Um, Villa just played that ball, that goal really, really well. Sometimes it's easy to say, oh, this Arsenal got that wrong, defended that wrong, positioning was wrong. But sometimes you've got to hold your hands up and say that was a really good goal. And that was a really good goal that Aston Villa scored. The move, the passing early on to work the position. I thought it was a really good goal by Villa. Uh, I gave Zinchenko a six. Uh, Declan Rice, not his best performance. Probably his, one of his weakest performances, really, I thought, for Declan Rice. I didn't think he was bad, but I think that just shows the level that he's been playing at. I still gave him a seven, but I didn't think it was his best performance by any means. Uh, Martin Odegaard, five. We just should have done better with those two chances. Really, really poor. I, I think he pressed well. I thought largely in the game he did all right but when you get two big opportunities like that in a game as important as that you've got to be better you've got to be ruthless you've got to take your chances and he didn't so he goes down to a five for me Kai Havertz was my man of the match I thought Havertz was Arsenal's best player everything good they did was through him he was driving into the box at times should have had an assist for um, Odegaard in the second half did really good play in the first half to set up the other chance well it was the pre-assist for the other chance for Odegaard obviously Gabriel Jesus laid the ball off to him with his with the pass. But I, I thought it was another really good performance by Havertz. Really unlucky not to have the goal at the end, the equaliser. Uh, so he was my man in the match. I gave him an eight. Saka didn't do enough of a lot of the opportunities and space that he found. Gave him a five. Jesus, five. Martinelli, four. I didn't think Martinelli played well. And he was a threat, Martinelli. But I didn't think he did enough of it. I do, and I'm sure a lot of you will disagree with me with this, but I just thought it was a I looked at Martinelli a lot of the times. I just thought, why aren't what, you? Sh- you should be taking advantage of this. There was so much space. His balls were played to him quite a bit. His decision making was poor. He just didn't do enough with the opportunities he got and the position he got into. His passing, it just felt some of the balls into the box. They were just a bit hit and hope. There wasn't anything measured in them. And that was what really disappointed me about Martinelli. Look, and I love Martinelli. He's a fantastic player. He plays so well most of the time. But I just thought it was an off night for him. I was like, the whole attack misfired. Rice. Um, sorry, not Rice, Odegaard, Saka, Jesus and Martinelli. It was just a poor night from them. Um, and that was really disappointing because the attacks looked good recently. It started to click and it was really exciting me in the build-up to this game. But you have off nights. Look, it's not. It, it happens. It's football. It happens. But I just thought those four, the front four, on a night where there was so much space for them to exploit and to take advantage of, they just didn't do it. It was just an, all of them collectively had a poor night. And, and that was a shame. Um, 
so yeah, Odegaard, Saka, Jesus, Martinelli. Uh, not one that they'll uh, look back on fondly, I don't think, this game. In terms of the subs, letting Ketia and Nelson came on right towards the end, didn't really do anything. Trossard, like I said, it was a substitution that just didn't work. Made Arsenal less of a threat, even though Martinelli hadn't done anything with the opportunities that he'd been given. The, the Trossard one just didn't work, um, and that was disappointing. So yeah, they're my player ratings. No, no standouts at all, apart from Kai Havertz. I thought it was Arsenal's best player, but I'm sure you'll all disagree. You tend to when it comes to my player ratings. So let me know what you think in the comments below. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for watching. Disappointing one, I know. Bit downbeat, I know. But look, one positive is we haven't had too many of these in the Premier League yet this season. And Arsenal is still just a point off the top of the table. So they are well placed. And hopefully now they can regroup. Obviously, they've got a game against PSV midweek, but means nothing. I imagine it's going to take the kids well I hope he takes the kids I don't want him I don't want him to risk any of the the first team players in this game it just wouldn't make any sense to and then got a really difficult game again against Brighton at the weekend a match now that Arsenal need to make sure they get something for ahead of the tough tough looking trip to Liverpool a few days after that until tomorrow everyone have a very good end to your weekend I'll speak to you soon Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.